Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. It is 9 p.m. here on the 15th of August. Our planet, our planet, our planet. Is climate change real? Well, good evening, and here we are. Oh, man, what is today anyways? Uh, it's Tuesday. Not even at hump day yesterday. I had a day off yesterday, too. Extended Monday into my holidays. So, anyways, yeah. You know, tomorrow's Wednesday already. I guess hump day's tomorrow. Wow. So, um, yeah, I just did a little show last night. I don't know how long it lasted for. Almost 45 minutes or something like that. Um, on the vast amount of water that Canada has of of. Freshwater, over 2 million lakes. That's insane. So, anyways, yeah. Um, the trucker is back. I'm glad to be back. Um, like I said in the last couple of my episodes, um, Sunday and Monday, I'm going to say again at the beginning of the show, there's going to be, you know, a show um, every evening. Um, and then, of course, you know, I was driving working today and I'm thinking um, I'm going to be taking one day off from doing the show and that'll be on Saturdays and then that gives me time to get shows up for Sunday and so on and, and carry on through the week again and also it's going to give me time to do um, the show that I want to do and um, that was on um uh, a video that I watched on YouTube with uh, uh, with um, one of the organizers of that so-called Freedom Convoy, aka Karen Carnival, um, with uh, she was being interviewed uh, by uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. is a clinical psychologist. He's written books. Obviously, he's a public speaker, and so. Just kind of just um, a reaction um, to what uh, one of the organizers had to say, and me being a professional driver, um, I feel that you know I certainly have uh, the qualifications um, to weigh in and just you know break a part of what she was talking about and all the BS. But anyways. That's why I want to take Saturday off to do that video and do that show at the same time. Um, and then get that video onto YouTube. Um, so Saturday is going to be a very busy, busy morning to do that. And it's probably going to take a good, better part of the day to edit the video and everything and get it up onto YouTube. So. You won't want to miss that episode on, on Saturday. So I think it's going to be really good. So thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. Um, if this is your first time coming on my show, I thank you. If you've been here before, I thank you. Um, I did have um, a bit of a break um, because of family matters. And, of course, I just got off a two-week holiday vacation, um, which was muchly, muchly needed. And, um, yeah, it did me a world of good with a lot of things. And um, I'm happy to be back. And, you know, I kind of, with everything that, that has happened, you know, I kind of um, felt bad because I felt bad that um, I was you know, neglecting um, my listeners and followers, you know, because I've had this podcast going for just a little over four years. And the whole month of July was just a wash. There wasn't a single show. Um, 
in July, uh, June 11th, maybe, I think was maybe the last one that I did. Um, cause I was struggling, um, with, with, um, the loss of our father and that. So, um, but I'm getting through it and, you know, the holiday, the two week vacation that I took up North here in Ontario, um, being with, with the wilderness and fishing and boating and swimming and the grandkids and, and everything. It was, it, it really did me a world of good. And, um, I told myself when I got back from the holiday that I'm diving back into doing the truckers podcast, FYI, and this is what I'm doing. So I've done a show Sunday night, Monday night. Now this is Tuesday night. And it'll be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm going to work on that video. And I want to get that done for Sunday so I can do the show and have that all ready up because I want to do the show and record at the same time, do recording at the same time, the video at the same time. So, um, it's going to be good. So that's why I need Saturday to do all that kind of stuff. So now, um, I was just skimming through topics last night after I finished my, um, my last episode. And that was on Canada's vast amount of fresh water. Um, so you may want to listen to yesterday's episode. I think it's about I don't know, maybe 45 minutes long. So I kind of, you know, started because usually my shows are an hour. So just getting back into the swing of things, you know, just kind of just easing back and doing the podcast or half hour to 45 minutes. And eventually it'll be right back up to that hour again. I've had shows go an hour and a half, you know, so um, yeah, so just kind of just just getting my toes wet again, uh, being back doing doing the podcast. Um, so, like I said, I was just you know fishing around last night and thinking, you know, just brainstorming. You know, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? What's wrong with doing some maybe controversial po- uh, podcasts and stuff like that on cl- on climate change and. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a good one, you know, because there are people out there that doesn't think it's real, you know, and, and stuff like that. And that's fine. People are going to think what they're going to think. And um, so I think, why not? Why not just take a shot at it and, and, and see how it goes, you know? So does climate change urgency lead to climate action? Well, are we moving fast enough? You know, I mean, here in Canada, I mean, are, are we going to be hitting our targets? You know, probably, you know, probably not. You know, every single, I guess it's April, every single April um, is Earth Day on April 22nd. Is that like every April 22nd? I really don't follow Earth Day. You know, maybe I should, you know. Um, so in the past few years, terms like climate crisis and, and climate emergency, which convey the urgency of climate change have, have grown like, like in a commonplace increasing use uh, of the tenfold. And on one hand, um, this is intuitive and is, and, you know, is climate change a serious problem? And the global community continues to underinvest in both mitigating greenhouse gas emissions and adapting to the effects we're already seeing. Well, look at, you know, I think there's something there was now the other when, when I was talking about, um, you know, over over the summer and they're still burning here in Canada, by the way, I said there was like a, just, you know, a little over 400 forest, forest fires going across Canada. It's actually over 900 forest fires burning in Canada. Over 500 are out of control. 
that is just staggering. We've never seen, yeah, we could get forest fires in the United States, get forest fires, other places around get forest fires. We never had it this, this bad here in Canada when it comes to forest fires. Over 900 forest fires, over 500 are burning out of control. And just recently, um, the Canadian Armed Forces are now getting involved. Now, over the course of the summertime, you know, when the wind change comes, you know, blowing the smoke out of northern Ontario, out of Quebec, and, you know, it's been blowing right down into the United States. And you can, you can, you can see it, you can smell it, and you can taste it. Never before, and I don't recall in my lifetime, you know, and I've been on this planet for, for uh, six decades. Never before have I seen that magnitude of, of, of fires and the, uh, you know, the, you know, the effects that it has, you know, from the smoke and stuff like that. I mean, I just, you know, driving up the highway, you know, in, in July, you know, and like I said, you could see it, you could smell it, you could taste it, it made your eyes water. You know, um, it wasn't good. So, and then, you know, look at, at the month of July, you know, down in, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, they had temperatures like 129 Fahrenheit for the entire month. I think it was just this past weekend, I could be mistaken, but right across the US from the, from, from the west to the east, the record-breaking temperatures. Here in Ontario, Canada, you know, yes, it's been hot. Um, you know, which then triggers, you know, severe thunderstorms, lightning storms, high winds, a couple of tornadoes. Now, And on the other hand, though, it's not clear that people will make better climate decisions when they feel more climate urgency. I don't know. Am I, am I like that? I mean, are you like that? You know, it's not clear that people will make more climate decisions when they feel more climate urgency. Doesn't seem like the government is. So... For, for an example, you know, when people make decisions under time constraints, opposing forces are at work. More urgency can be focusing, but it also can be distracting. Now, so these, so these two forces are at work for, for more urgency that it can be focusing, but it also be distracting. Well, you've probably experienced both feelings as you approach the deadline, you know, in the context of, of climate change or, or whatever you're doing, um, which one wins out? Well, change is more urgent. Well, just take an example, you know, when, when it comes to um, focusing on something that that's urgent and also could be distracting um okay let's take let's take for instance you know never never before have we seen um the urgency um to help the homeless now right now here in the city of london ontario where, where i reside it's a population of about 400,000 people. It's not a big city. 
there's something like 40 to 50 uh, tent encampments all around the city. The homeless shelters have bursted at the seams, turning away people every single night. Housing crisis, affordability crisis. Another crisis that is upon us has been been upon us for for a little while now. It's the cost of food. If that's not a crisis, I don't know what what, what would you call that. You know, with with the uh, the opiate uh, crisis, uh, you know, across Canada. You know, waiting for waiting for a crisis and then trying to act on it when the crisis is upon you and then you try to act on it. You know, it is distracting and it becomes very difficult to deal with it. And now we're just slowly putting in in plans, you know, to address the situation and all the situations, not not just on the homelessness, but the housing crisis, the lack of housing, a lack of affordable housing, the cost of of housing for, for even, you know, people to buy. I mean, I was reading an article the other day and uh, she's a, a mayor um, of a small town just outside of Kitchener, Ontario. She makes $90,000 a year. She can't afford to buy a house. And 90000 a year, she can't afford to buy a home. Average price of a home in that area is over $900,000. Over $900,000. The urgency to build more houses is at hand. But when we talk about the environmental sustainability, and we try to you know answer exactly the question, we look across the the wide literature exploring climate decisions under very levels of urgency. <clears throat> um, drought responses in, in Cape Town, South Africa offer a powerful illustration of, of what they find. So Cape Town relies mostly entirely on local rain for its supply of fresh water as a result of its growing population and the spread of the invasive plant species. Demands for a limited supply of water has increased dramatically. Now, the beginning of 2015, Cape Town entered a severe three-year drought. The result of a strong um, El Nino likely amplified by clim- climate change. And by 2017, Cape Town had nearly exhausted its reserves of, pour- of, of, of polluable water. As day zero approached, community groups and officials launched a campaign to encourage conservation. That was 2015. Now, I I look at it this way, too, you know, as individuals move to moderate levels of urgency, they tend to become more focused and attentive and action oriented. So the moderate level of urgency. So this, this behavioral experiment suggests that they seek information and they cooperate at higher levels and and have a, a devised solutions to the climate change related challenges they face. 
And this is one study they said that identifies several cases where effective communication nudges people from low to moderate levels of urgency and corresponding higher levels of action. So are we even at this moderate level of urgency? Should we argue at that? Because every time I listen to the news, the news comes on the radio and I'm driving or whatever the case may be, you know, what's, what's happened this entire summer, you know, you know, in the United States with forest fires, Canada with forest fires, other parts of the world with forest fires, flooding, you know, um, and then they, you know, climate change, you know, is it only going to amplify, you know, by 2030 or maybe even sooner? Now, with this moderate level of urgencies, you know, they showed higher levels of, of engagement with projects that would address issues two generations in the future. The time of the grandchildren in the local language, then with projects oriented three or four generations ahead. Are we thinking that way or are we just saying, Ah, no, you know what? Our grandchildren can handle it. Their their kids, our great-grandchildren, and stuff like that would just leave that carbon footprint. And what do we care? We're going to live on our lives. We're going to pass away. And we're just going to pass on whatever we left behind. Is that the way we're thinking? Is that the way governments are thinking? So when we get to that very high levels of urgency, this relationship reverses. People begin to direct a large amount of energy towards monitoring the risk itself rather than addressing it. So are we at that level now? Are we at that large amount of urgency like are we right at that peak where now we're just going to monitor everything you know here in canada you know when it comes to um you know taxes for instance ontario being the largest province of all provinces and territories of this vast land of ours this vast country of ours you know with something like so canada has 40 million people and the province of Ontario has 18 million people. We're the highest tax province in the country. So on our, on our gas, we pay a provincial tax, we pay a federal tax, and we pay a carbon tax. That carbon tax is supposed to raise money to fight climate change. And I guess it's supposed to say, well, maybe you shouldn't drive your car that much anymore. I don't see people driving their cars less. I don't drive my car any less. Hello. Hello, I'm listening. I've been listening to your show for a little bit. It's uh, pretty nice, and thank you for having me on. I hopefully I I'm not uh, hijacking your show. No, that's okay because I I say to people, um, if you call in and I'm doing an episode, um, you you're you're not interrupting me, and I, and I really actually uh, like it when people call in. So what's on your mind? Yes, uh, I was just hearing briefly about the environmental stuff, and, and it's very interesting that you have a Canadian perspective. I'm here in the United States, and I feel like there needs to be more public transportation 
options, but without going through, like you had mentioned, the carbon tax in Ontario. Instead, I, I feel that major cities uh, or major uh, provinces or states need to expand and have multimodal transportation. And we're not really seeing that, especially in the U.S., as much and people are too reliant on their car. Yeah, especially in, like in the large and uh, metropolitan cities like, um, you know, Vancouver, uh, Toronto, Montreal, um, you know, so, you know, like Los Angeles, uh, but then uh, like you got a lot of big major cities in, in there. Um, so I, I've seen like Toronto, the city of Toronto, and they have forever for as long as I remember, um, they they still have um, the rail cars as transportation downtown, and uh, they've always had them. And of, of course, even out and now we get out into outside of the metropolitan Toronto area. Um, I, I've seen um, a lot of uh, electrics and stuff like that. And, and those areas are, 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 are vastly building up um, as though, you know, like, like for instance, you know, Brampton, you know, just outside, you know, so we got Brampton, Mississauga, uh, North York, East York and stuff like that, just outside of the city of Toronto, stuff like that, their own communities. They don't have to go right into Toronto to go shopping and stuff like that. They have every, all their amenities there, but you're right. And not, not also that, um, like London, where I, where I reside, it's only a population of 400,000 people and, um, building more bike lanes and making the roads more accessible for cyclists and making downtown more accessible for people, um, to live downtown and work downtown. You know, because we have a lot of business down there. I mean, the police station is down there. The courthouse is down there. And everybody trans drives into that area. You know, so a better means, like you say, a better means of transportation, public transportation is what we need. And, and um, keep it affordable and maybe more people will use it. Yes, especially to, and I'm speaking from a, American perspective, car, you know, buying a car is incredibly expensive for the vast majority of people who live paycheck to paycheck and the majority of Americans do live paycheck to paycheck. Um, you have a, people loaded up with auto loan debt, which is a major issue in the United States. And, and we've crossed the $1 trillion mark on credit card debt. So if people can be relieved on in terms of transportation and, and not have to pay as much as they do here in the US when it comes to their personal transportation, it would lead to much better economic progress for each individual. And I've even seen studies that when there are genuine investments made in public transportation, it actually boosts the economy and leads to more economic growth. I have to go look deeper at those research studies. But I just I, I hope that here in the US, we can really get the ball forward and and move past just, you know, investing in Amtrak and having much better public transportation all around. Well, that would be really helpful, too, because if if, if so many people, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of people who don't drive and let's say, for example, they're not working because it's it's, you know, further away to get to work. And if you have that transportation and you have that affordable transportation, that it's going to drop you off at the door. More and more people, you know would be going to work and now just here you know in in the city i don't know what i don't know why it takes so long you know adding transit routes to the industrial part of the city and starting the buses early because people generally start work at seven o'clock in the morning you know so they they want to get the people to those areas 
and do less driving because if you've got transportation going there and you don't want the headaches of, of rush hour traffic, why not take that? Why not take that bus? Because it's going to be there every single day. Exactly, exactly. And um, thank you for allowing me on the show. Uh, I hope to listen to more of your shows in the future. Maybe, you know, if you ever want to, you could listen to mine. But uh, thank you so much for having me on the program. Thank you for joining us and thank you for calling in. Really appreciate that. Now, see how easy that is, ladies and gentlemen, just to click on that round circle there and just call in and say, even if you just say hello, trucker. You know, that's, that's absolutely fine. So now, you know, look at the cost of food. Well, we have to raise it. We got to grow it. We have droughts. Um, wages going up. You know, so companies and, and, you know, they have to cover their overhead expenses fuel has has skyrocketed trans, the, the modes of transportation in the trucking industry the the the, the freight charges have, have gone up so and then you know here here in canada you know everybody's screaming and yelling at the grocery stores well you're making rec record profits you know, and, and we, we, we can't pinch two dimes together. You know, they blame the grocery stores for the price increases. You know, then when you have the weather that we've been having and you have drought and things aren't growing as well as they should be, you're not going to have the crop that you want and you have to increase the price to sell off what you have to get it to market. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I was reading an article uh, before I went on holidays and grocery prices, you know, here in Canada anyways, aren't going down. In fact, they're going to go up. So so at the high levels of urgency, so the relationship, so people begin to direct a large amount of energy towards monitoring the risk itself rather than addressing it. And they become um, uh, despondent, distracted, uncooperative, anxiety, fear, and stress all begin to cut off paths to the best outcomes. Maybe we've, maybe we've experienced these sort of things just in our everyday lives. So when there's an urgency matter um, looking us directly in the face and we're trying to, rather than addressing it, you know, we come um, despondent about it. Now, particularly the acute climate related risk wildfire response provides a, a poignant example in a remote indigenous community in the Northern Ontario. This was July, 2011, emergency managers experienced sudden high levels of urgency as wildfires elsewhere in the province rapidly spread closer. Lacking time to think through evacuation plans, they hurriedly planned a partial evacuation, evacuation and were unable to assure the most vulnerable were provided appropriate care. Families were separated, um, with members of individual households flowing to shelters in different towns, hundreds of kilometers apart. Later, they, uh, they, they switched to a full evacuation, which added to the confusion. This was 2011. So the urgency, and this is so just rational thinking, rational movement, rational get think, just go and then look what happened. So, and it is consistent to the apparent um, nonlinear relationship between urgency and response, um, how, it, how it surprised us. 
with the climate adaptation plans of, of, of municipal officials in New Zealand and the relocation choices uh, of the coastal village residents. This was in uh, uh, Fajan. You know, then the water conservation beha uh, uh, behaviors of, of, Cal of California and the decisions of the forest managers in Sweden and Canada and in the water infrastructure investments made by Dutch and the Danish city governments. Now, so this, this, this perceived urgency of climate change are likely to lead some people to take less action, especially those already most worried about climate change and those who feel least capable of taking meaningful action to address it. Now, the implications for, for, for climate communication, emphasizing climate risk and isolation from potential solutions, or a sense of hope may be counterproductive. And this is especially true in those most likely to encounter climate alarmism are already those most concerned about climate change. So, Earth Day every year. Would we do better to pair our warnings about the risk of climate change with images of the alternate world we might construct together? More walkable streets, less air pollution, in a global climate system that can provide the same stability to our children and our grandchildren as the, as for them um, when they grow up. You know, the, the alarm bells have been sounding. And what urgency level are we at? What urgency levels are, are at the, uh, the government's at? Has Canada, you know, uh, is Canada gonna uh, meet their target on, on re reducing of, of the green gas emissions? You know, they want to be 17% lower than what we were in 2015. This is 2023 and we're only like 1.3%. I mean, it's sad. And then we holler at the government of adding it in this carbon tax at the fuel pumps. So what are you doing with our money? You know, they want to hit a, a certain target by, by, by 2030, you know, and be something like 20% less than where we were at, at 2015, you know, and the rate that we're moving at highly unlikely that's going to happen. With, you know, and, you know, this, you know, here in Southern Ontario, you know, um, yeah, it's been hot. Um, we've had, had a lot of rain, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm sitting here now and, and just a week ago, I was up north on holidays. And the week before that, I was up north on holidays. And it was like it's, it's the most wet, hot, humid summer that I have felt in, in, in a long time. So 
for instance, last week, Wednesday and Friday were the only two sunny days. And the week before that, it was like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday were the sunniest days. That's it was just, you know, it was cloudy, it was hot, it was humid, it rained. We even had a, we, we had a thunderstorm come when we were at the, two, so two weeks ago when we were at the cottages, had a thunderstorm come through with just high winds and hail. And I've been going uh, to the place that we go to for many years and it's never hailed. Yeah, we've had some thunder showers, sure, you know, but hail, you know, almost, you know, as the, you know, what's, what's the biggest marble? I think it's rock, you know, hail that big, you know, coming down and, and we have a covered a covered porch on the cottage and you're standing there that and you're just watching this hail come down and you know as the whole ground is covered must have lasted for like five minutes so it seemed like it lasted that long you know and then when it stopped you go out and you just you can just pick up handfuls of it and of course over the over, you know the 900 I, I don't know the exact number. They just said it's over 900 forest fires and over 500 of them are burning out of control here across Canada. You know, Alberta, Northern Ontario, and Northern Quebec. Never, never, ever has it been that bad when it comes to forest fires. You know, here in Canada, yeah, we get fire, forest fires like like everybody else, but not this severe. You know, with, with the dry, with, with, with the dryness, the, 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 the storms, you know, the lightning, and that's all it takes. You know, we haven't heard of any, none of the fires have been, you know, were arson, you know, all the fires that, that's, that, that started here in Canada is all weather related. So I guess, you know, we got some things to think about, you know. Look what's, you know, I mean, this is still summertime, obviously. And um, I don't know, um, when your hurricane season starts in the United States, probably somewhere around November or something, you know, wait and see. You know, and, and those hurricanes are getting more nasty. Your tornadoes are getting more nasty. Oklahoma, Texas, you know, Tornado Alley. You know, we're, you know, we, the people, you know, we're not governing, you know, our, our, our state or our province and stuff like that. I mean, we vote people in to, to to do the job they're supposed to be doing. You know, we have political problems here, like you have in the United States and in any other democratic country. You know, we have to hold our, we have to hold our politicians accountable because we're the people who put them there. why we vote and then we expect something right we give you a job we expect something in return we expect you to do your job we, we, we expect people to listen to the science because politicians as far as I'm concerned politicians know shit it's the scientists the science 
that knows what's going on, and it's the science and the scientists that is sounding that is sounding the alarms on climate change. But like I said at the start of the show, you can believe whether it's real or it's not. That's in, that's entirely up to you. But I want to thank you tonight for joining me here on the Truckers Podcast. I will be back out tomorrow night at 9 p.m. So that's Wednesday. Kind of losing a day today. I can't believe tomorrow's already Wednesday. So, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, I'm, you know, gathering information. Now, I wanted to, um, you can... I can get out of this and go here. And I want to, whoops, that's not what I want. This is what I want to. I'm going to go, I'm on YouTube right now. So um, I went home. Oh, okay. This is even faster. Okay, so now I've been a, I've been a trucker for thirty plus years, and with that Freedom Convoy, aka Karen Carnival, that took place last January twenty twenty two. Um. There was an interview that was done recently um, by Jordan uh, B. Peterson. He is a Canadian clinical psychologist. He's a public speaker. Um, He's written books. And this is his first time that he's had this opportunity to sit down with one of the organizers, Tamara Litch. She's not even involved in the trucking industry. She's just a... uh, She's a separatist. Uh, she's uh, once was part of the Maverick Party and um, the Yellow Vest Party and just crazy shit. But anyways, so I went through this video and the video is called Truckers on the Front Lines of Freedom. That, that whole topic, that, that whole headline there, you know, get that laughter. You just want to just bust out laughing. That's what I feel like right now. Every time I read that, I just want to just fall off the chair and laugh, <clears throat> fall down laughing. So anyways, he's doing this interview with her, interviewing her. And it is called Truckers on the Front Lines of Freedom. And that's on YouTube. You can go on to YouTube and look that up and you can and, and you can and listen to this interview. And so anyways, me being in the industry for 30 plus years. You know, I feel that I am qualified enough, you know, to do an episode on that particular interview and debunk everything that she's saying and backing it up with facts. So, uh, so what my plan is to do is, is do the, the Truckers Podcast FYI here on Podbean. And then I will be um, recording the video. I got part of that video already done. It's just now it's just me in that video talking about it. And then, you know, so doing the video in, in the Podbean live and then once all that video is done and edited and then I can upload it onto YouTube and then all you have to do is go on YouTube and go to search the truckers podcast FYI and it'll be up there and I'm hoping to get that up there Saturday afternoon or early Saturday evening so you know, this is, this is what I want to do. So, um, and I think I, I, you know, just what I'll be doing is breaking, you know, looking, 
you know, at, at certain points that she is making and then, you know, breaking them down. So I, I'm thinking that the episode is probably going to be, I think I could probably fit it into 45 minutes. So, um, and of course, I want you to join me for that because you're going to be obviously hearing me live on Podbean. And then once I get that video done, you will see me on video on YouTube. So that's going to be the upcoming, an upcoming episode, obviously. And of course, I'm going to alert you when that's going to take place. And, of course, I'm going to be back out here tomorrow night at 9 p.m. And I will have the next episode posted up after I edit this one and put it out around the world. And then I'll have the next show up. So if you're following me on Podbean, um, I'm pretty sure you get a notification that the Truckers Podcast FYI has an upcoming episode. And if you can join me, that's great. If you can't, I understand. Because we all have our lives. Right? We all have things to do and that's understandable so again thank you for joining me this evening it's um it is appreciated and, and i do appreciate um you my listeners and my followers so until tomorrow night at 9 p.m take care and be safe and enjoy your week and thank you This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. Take care. Be safe.